0: If you put God first in your life, I want to promise you something. You're going to be blessed. You put God first, you're going to be blessed. Most people think if they put God first, they're going to lose something. You're not going to lose anything. As a matter of fact, you're going to gain. I promise you. You say, will you put that in writing? Absolutely. It already is in writing. It's in that book we tried trying to give you back there. God's already put it in writing. If you put God first, it's going to be blessing. Now, you'll notice those two S's right there. There's not a dollar sign through them. So it doesn't mean when you put God first, you're automatically going to get financially blessed. But how many of you know there's something better than money? There's a lot of stuff better than money. Friends, for one thing. God first equals blessing. You put God anywhere other than first, and you're going to suffer because of it. Not because he's going to punish you. But just because you got to get under that spout, baby, where the Spirit's coming out and where the blessings are coming out. And when you put God first, you're under that spout. And when you put God less than first, you step out from under it, and that blessing doesn't flow into your life. When you make God less than first, here's what you're saying to God. You're saying, I got this. I got this. Thanks for everything you've done for me, but I'm going to handle this part of my life. And I'm gonna give you like fifth place or sixth place, but I got some stuff ahead of you in this area. And when you do that, I'm just telling you, I'm not trying to get on anybody's case here, not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just telling you, you're gonna have lack and loss in your life. And I'm gonna show you in the Bible today where that's true. Now, the first principle we talked about, and and these principles that I'm gonna put up are kind of Old Testament y. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's Old Testament. And then, you know, last week we read in First Corinthians chapter 10, Paul said about the Old Testament. Paul's in the New Testament. He said about the Old Testament. He said, let me tell you something about the Old Testament. It is an example to us. And then I looked up that word example and it means it's instruction and warning for us. So do not ever say, oh, that's Old Testament because even to say that, even if you don't mean mark out the Old Testament, you are indicating that it's not as important, it's not as powerful, it's not as needed as the Old Testament. That's not true. You need the whole Bible from first word Genesis to last word Revelation. Let me tell you something we believe about the Bible here at the bridge. We believe the Bible, all of it is the infallible and word of God. We believe it's the truth of Scripture. Matter of fact, we even believe on the outside where it says genuine leather. We believe that too. And we All the way through the Book of Concordance. Amen. Y'all love your Bible? Who loves your Bible in here today? Love some Bible, man. God's love letter. So the first uh, principle, principle number one, is that the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. You go, what in the world does that mean? Well. Back in the Bible, the primary occupation back then was um, either being a rancher or a farmer or a combination of the two. Now, what we're talking about in this sermon series, and I know you're going to get excited and you're going to want to just applaud and stand up, but don't do it. We're talking about your money. We're talking about money. We're talking about Pharaoh Hardison's money. And whatever I say that God said about money, he said it to me. He said it to me. I don't have a loophole. Just because I got reverend in front of my name, I don't don't get to get out. I'm under the same word of God you are. So we're talking about money. And so back in the Bible times, if you'll read about people like Abraham and Job and other people, and there are other examples in the Bible, it talked about how wealthy these men were, and it always measured their wealth in livestock, how much livestock they had, had, uh, herds and flocks and all of that. So the Bible tells us that when a Jewish rancher, a Jewish farmer had an animal, when an animal was born, the firstborn of that, we'll just say a lamb, the firstborn of that ewe lamb had to be sacrificed to God because God is first. God is first. This is the principle of first. All through the Bible, God is first. If that animal wasn't sacrificed then that means it was unclean, and so it had to be redeemed. Now, we went through this last week, so I'm not going to go through it today, but they had unclean animals and clean animals. I would encourage you to go to our website. You can watch last week's sermon and get all that detail about that. So so the unclean animals had to be redeemed, and the way you redeemed an unclean animal was you offered up a clean animal. So let's say a donkey was unclean. Donkey gives birth to the firstborn unclean, so then a sheep, let's say, had to be offered to redeem that unclean animal. Um, You say, gee whiz, man, what does all this mean? Well, that sheep is a picture of Jesus. Jesus, the clean, had had to be sacrificed on a cross to save, redeem the unclean, you and I. Were you born clean or unclean? Unclean, So so Jesus was born clean. And Jesus' death on the cross provides for us um, that cleansing, that redemption that we need. Let's look at principle number two. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that sermon. Here's what we're talking about today. So this is like the farmer who plants seeds in the ground. So look what it says. The first what? Fruits. Which one's the? First fruits of the harvest must be given to God. Which ones must be given to God? The which ones? First, first. So this is a principle that though we don't necessarily do that particular thing anymore, that principle is still true. Um, I grew up farming. I mean, my first jobs were on the farm, and if you farm in eastern North Carolina, you're going to be in a tobacco patch at some point. Amen? And and uh, I know a lot of you aren't from around here, and um, you you go by and see those tobacco fields. I can tell you, th- those of us who were born in, in this area, man, we grew up on that. We preached against tobacco, but when they'd sell it and bring the money to the church, we'd spend the fire out of it, buddy. I'm telling you right now. Um, so how many of y'all... Do we have any farmers here? Are there any farmers in the audience today? Just, do, see, do y'all see somebody? Isn't that, amen. God bless you, man. <laughs> Give it up. <laughs> Farmer in the, you know what? 30 years ago, half this congregation would have lifted their hand. But it's different today. It's different today. And I grew up on a farm. My dad farmed for a little while, so we know what it is. Man, you know, farming, that's some faith stuff right there, buddy. I mean, you tearing that ground up, you putting those nutrients in there, and you put that, you buy that seed and it's expensive, and and you just put it in the ground and hope and pray. Some rain comes and sunshine comes, and some years it does, and some years it don't. And man, that's some faith. It is faith. To plant that seed it is faith to give those first fruits and this is what God said when your crop is harvested he said I want you to bring me the best I want you to bring me the first now we learned this last week so let's go ahead and say it it's a little thing we're saying during this sermon series if you will give God the first he will what bless the rest that is a biblical principle that's not a little saying pastor Farrell thought of to get you to give more money That's the word of God. That's that's from the mouth of God. God says, if you'll give me the first. And listen, God knows it takes faith. He knows, man. He knows. Uh, You say, Pastor, I mean, that's hard to do. Hey, listen, I have to do it too. It's hard for me to do. As a matter of fact, when, when I was getting up this sermon, I called Millie in there where I was studying. How many of you guys got a big old chair? That's where me and God get together at the big chair. And I called her in there. I said, baby, listen to this. And I just went through some of the stuff I was going to preach today. And I said, I got to tell you something. We don't do that. We don't do that. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. I said, what's up with that? She said, you're the spiritual leader. (laughs) She said, I just do what my spiritual leader tells me. So my point in telling you that is, I struggle too. Honestly, man. Honestly, I struggle. You know, you get a check. You get a check that you didn't know you were going to get. And you're like, man, I mean, you're opening that thing. And the minute you see the number on it, you are spending it in your mind. Or in a lot of cases, you've already spent it. And you've got to go give it to the people you owe. But so, so I, our first thought isn't how much of this goes to God. See, here's what I'm trying to do in this sermon series. And and look, I'm, I'm not beating on anybody. I'm just, it's hard for me, man. It's hard. I'm trying to get me and you to the place that when we get blessed, our first thought is God. Our first thought is God. Our first thought is God gave me this. Our first thought is God provided this. And our first thought is what part of this is God's? What part of this belongs to God? Let's go to the Old Testament book of Exodus. And let's look at Exodus 23, 19. And when you put a little A on it like that, that means the first part of the verse. Uh, If you'll read the last part of that verse, you'll know why I didn't include it. It's It's a ceremonial instruction that says, don't boil your goat in goat's milk or something like that. And I was pretty sure y'all weren't doing that, so I just wasn't going to bring that up. (laughs) All right? So Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. That's very important. Look at it in the new Living translation, as you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God, okay? Now, this one's not going to come up on the screen, but if you got a Bible or if you got your Bible on your phone or whatever, go to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, and here's how you find Proverbs. Go to Psalms and hang a right, all right? Go to Psalms and hang a right. Proverbs chapter three, Proverbs chapter three. Love hearing those Bible pages turned. That's awesome. Proverbs chapter three, verse nine. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version. It says, "Honor the Lord with your possessions." Who wrote? Who wrote Proverbs? Solomon wrote Proverbs. Now listen. What was it Solomon wanted more than anything else? Wisdom. So then the book of Proverbs is a book full of what? Wisdom. So this is wise for you to do this. So if it's wise for you to do it, what is it for you not to do it? Stupid. Yes, exactly. All right. (laughs) Proverbs 3, look at verse 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions. You know what I think about when I read that? I think about all the people in our church who let us use their home for a life group meeting. Who say, you know, my home isn't much, but I got a big old den where we can get about 10 or 12 people in there. And um, I just, I can't lead a group maybe. I'm just not that kind of person. I'm not that, but you can sure come in my house. See, that's, that's you using your possessions to honor God. Here's another way to use your possessions. If you know somebody that wants to come to church and they don't have a way to get here and you take that car God gave you and you go get them even though it's a little out of the way and you got to leave a little earlier and you're going to burn some gas and wear your car out, I got to tell you, man, God is so pleased with that. He is so pleased with that. Honor, honor the Lord with your possessions and with we're still reading in Proverbs three nine, and with the first fruits, listen to this, of all your increase, people say, do I pay on the ti- Do I pay on the net or the gross? Here's the way I answer that: It is just gross to pay on the net. All right, so just write that down. So, so. <laughs> He says right here, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the fruits of so how much of your increase? All of it. All of it. Verse 10. So your barns, this is so, is a little word, two letters, so, but it means, and this is what's going to happen, the result of you honoring God with your possessions and with the fruits of your increase, of all your increase, is this, your barns will be filled with plenty. That's God's promise. That's God's promise, your barns. Now, you say, I don't have a barn. Listen, listen. Get you one. No, no, listen. It's, you know, back then in that context, they that they knew what that meant. God's just saying to us in the context of our modern day, you're gonna get blessed. You're going to get blessed when you make me first and and you give me the first fruits of all that I've blessed you with. I'm going to bless you. He says, your barns will be filled with plenty. You're going to have plenty. Now, again, that doesn't necessarily mean money. But, hey, listen, sometimes it does. Sometimes it does mean money. Sometimes it does mean something comes out of nowhere and you get blessed. And your vats will overflow with new wine. So we look at the firstborn and then we tie this right in with the first fruits, and we say it again. When you sacrifice the first of your increase to God, he will bless the rest. He will bless the rest. So, I mean, that takes faith, doesn't it? Think about about this guy who's got the sheep. God did not come to him and say, hey, um, when you have 10 little lambs, then give me one. I mean, that would have been a lot easier, wouldn't it? If God had said, when you have 10 little lambs, give me one. But see, God knows us, and he, God wants faith from us. Listen, God wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust him. So God didn't say, after you have 10, give me one. He said, I want the first one. You say, man, pastor, I know. I know, but look, listen. God don't lie. God does not lie. And I know how hard it is because it's hard for me. It's hard for me. But I'm telling you, God does not lie. Here's what, and I I just kind of wrote this out because I wanted to make sure I worded it right. As a demonstration of your total reliance and faith in me, this is God talking. As a demonstration of your total reliance and faith in me, I require you to give me the first of your increase. Because you understand that because of your faith and obedience in giving me the first, you know I'm going to bless you. You know I'm going to bless you. It's tough. It is tough. Our flesh don't want to do it, man. Our Our flesh is, I tell you what, let me get ahead, let me... And see, God's going, you know, I'm going to love you, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to walk with you. But if you want to really see my best, God says, give me your best. You give me your best, I'm going to show you my best. Um, let's talk about a chapter or actually a whole book in the Bible, the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua. Um, the book of Joshua is... how uh, I know the guys here are going to say amen to this. How many of y'all like the movie Braveheart? Y'all like that movie? We'll let you say that in this church. You can say it in this church. I know in a lot of churches you just look at it, but you don't ever say you like it. So we look at Braveheart and we liked it. Amen. Amen. I'm preaching with a blue face one day. I'm just coming in here and declare war on the devil and uh, freak out all the people you bring to visit that day. But, but. Joshua, the book of Joshua is almost like a Braveheart movie. I'm not kidding you. You men out there who don't read the Bible and you go, I just don't get it, man. Read the book of Joshua. It is awesome. I mean, there's battles and defeating the bad guys and God miraculously blessing the good guys and, and it's war and victory and, and it's also got some defeat in there because sometimes God people, God's people got their eyes off of him. But what I want to talk to you about is, you know, Moses died. So God turned over the leadership of the nation of Israel as Israel is journeying through the wilderness and trying to get into the promised land, the land of Canaan, the land of milk and honey, grapes and pomegranates, corn and wine. And uh, they were in a desert place. Now now, stay with me here. So you know, you know Moses led them out of Egyptian bondage. You all with me? And so now they're in the wilderness. They didn't come out of Egyptian bondage and go right into the promised land. There was a space between being set free from Egypt and going into the promised land. Now, coming out of Egypt is a picture of us when we get saved. Because in Egypt, they were under the cruel bite and sting of the taskmaster's whip, just like we are when we're serving the enemy before we get saved. And then when you first get saved, though, you're not in the land of milk and honey. You're kind of in the wilderness, aren't you? And you need somebody to lead you and you need somebody to walk with you and you need somebody to go with you. And that's what we do here at the bridge. We'll help you through that wilderness time. But the children of Israel did like so many other Christians today. They got in the wilderness and God said, you know, if how many of y'all, I don't know much math. I especially don't know any geometry at all, but I do know this. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And if the children of Israel had made a straight line, from Egypt to the Promised Land and done what God said, they would have gotten there in 11 days. They were in the wilderness, how long? 40 years. Because they wouldn't obey God. They kept turning their back on God. They kept whining and complaining and not giving God their first and not giving God their best. And it caused them to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. And now Moses dies because he messed up. God told him to speak to a rock and he struck it. How many of you know earlier in that story, God told him to strike the rock when the people needed water? You remember? God told him to strike the rock and he struck the rock and water came out and they all had water to drink. Well, then they got nearer the end, and they needed water again, and God said, Moses, this time don't strike the rock. What? Speak to it. Just tell it. But Moses said, we always did it the other way. How many of y'all know churches say that all the time? We've always done it this way. You know, that's why churches don't like us. Because we will not, never change the message in this church, but we'll change up on the method And God said, I know you struck the rock the first time, but I don't want you to strike the rock this time. I want you to speak to it. Now listen to me. That's a picture of Jesus right there because the first time Jesus met our needs, he had to be stricken on a cross. But because he was stricken on a cross and rose from the dead, now to have our needs met, all we have to do is speak to him in prayer. Amen? That's a picture of Jesus. I'm preaching better than I thought I would today. I'm going to tell you. And so, and so he spoke, to, he didn't speak to the rock, he took a stick, he hit it, disobedience. So Moses didn't get to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, and he died. and Joshua does. So Joshua's leading them into the, into the promised land. He's leading them out of the promise, out of the wilderness, into the promised land. Now look, a lot of people say that Canaan, the promised land, grapes and grapes and. Um, pomegranates and corn and wine and milk and honey and, and then they're in the desert and then just right over the Jordan River is all this lush green fruit and animals and, and so a lot of people say well that's a picture of going into heaven out of the earth and no it's not here's how I know it's not because when they got into the promised land there were, there were the enemy was there and when we get to heaven I'm done with the enemy come on Ain't nobody listening to me preach today. Come on. Isn't that true? I've been listening to T.D. Jakes. Y'all say amen. I'm I'm coming back on you. (laughs) Ain't nobody hearing me up in here today. Ain't nobody listening to me. That was free. That was free right there. So when we cross over the water, when we cross over into heaven, I'm not going to fight the enemy anymore. I'm done with the enemy. Plus, I'll tell you another thing. Some of them went over and then came back. I'm telling you right now, if I ever get over there, I ain't coming back. Don't even pray for me to come back. If I'm laying up here in a coffin, do not try to raise me from the dead. I'm telling you, leave me alone. (laughs) So what is it a picture of when the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan River into the Promised Land? What is that a picture of? I'll tell you what it's a picture of. It's a picture of the spirit-filled, victorious life that God wants you to have right now. The fruitful life he wants you to have right now. But some of you are bound and determined to wander around in the wilderness because you're scared to cross over. Well, they crossed over. And when they crossed over, the very first battle they had was with a city that had great walls, and it was the city of Jericho. So the night before that battle, Joshua is alone with God on the mountain. How many of you know it's really important to get along with God because you don't ever know when your Jericho's coming? So he's up on the mountain. He knows big battle's coming. He's seen the walls of the city. And let me just tell you a little bit about the walls of Jericho. They had people living in them. The walls of Jericho had people living in the walls. It was the first condominiums. And on the top of the wall was great width so that you could put chariots side by side and they could ride around the wall, chariots side by side. And God told Joshua to go in there and take that city. And Joshua was like, man, I'm going to need some help. I'm going to need a miracle. And so he's alone on the mountain. He's going, God, I've seen that city. It's a great walled city. God, I need your hand on me. I need you to help me. I know you're going to do it. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it. And the Bible says while he's praying that the captain of the host of God's army walks up to him. Now, when you read who that was, a lot of people go, it was just an angel. But most theologians, great theologians, believe that it was actually a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. There's another place in the Bible where Jesus showed up. You remember when Jacob wrestled with the angel? The angel of the Lord? Most theologians say when that is there, angel of the Lord, that it's a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. So Jesus shows up in front of Joshua, and Joshua doesn't recognize him. Boy, that's a whole nother sermon, isn't it? How many times has Jesus showed up in our lives and we didn't even know who it was? So Joshua says to Jesus, are you on their side or our side? And the angel said, Jesus said to him, I've not come to take sides. I've come to take over. You submit yourself to me, and you're going to win that battle. You give me yourself. You give me your first. You give me your all, and you're going to win that battle. So Joshua, he probably had a little spell right there. Amen? A little spell, a little shouting and spell. And then Joshua led the children of Israel in battle. Now, let me ask you all a question. Be real careful now before you answer. How many times did they march around the walls of Jericho? Who said seven? Thirteen, where's, the, where's my thirteen man? You were in the early service, were you in the early service? <laughs> you go, boy, you go, man. That's awesome, dude. I didn't have to ask that question, did I? (laughs) They walked around the wall one time every day for six days, and on the seventh day, they walked around seven times. That's 13. Now, the reason God did that was to show you 13 is not an unlucky number unless you're from Jericho. (laughs) The Bible's so much fun, isn't it? And so they marched around, and the Bible said the walls came tumbling down or at least that's the way I sung it when I was a kid. When you study what archaeologists say about that, they say the walls kind of came down like an elevator. Just right into the ground. The ground kind of swallowed those walls. So the children of Israel went over and took the spoils. Now, here's what God told them. God said, I want you to go in, and I want you to take the spoils of the city because they stole them from you. And he said, but there are some devoted things the best and the first come to me. And they were like, no problem. And how many of you know it's really easy to be very generous when you have nothing? But when you get some stuff, (laughs) that's when it's harder. You ever heard somebody say, man, if I had a million dollars, you know what you do with a million? The same thing you are doing with the hundred you got. You do the same thing, because look, when you got $100 and you say, I I need to give God 10, he lets me keep 90, how how much of it came from God? All of it. So he says, just give me 10, you keep 90, and then if you'll give me 10, I'll multiply and give it back to you. I got to tell y'all something. I'm not a great mathematician, but that's a pretty good deal right there. Well, then you start making $200,000 and you got to give 20,000. And you think that would be easier? No, it's not. Matter of fact, it's even harder. So there's this guy among the children of Israel, and his name is Achan. And a little later in this story, he really is going to be Achan, but his name is Achan. And he's like, "I'm going to obey God. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to obey." Until he saw it, when he saw the gold, when he saw the garments, when he saw the wealth. See, he was fine till he had it. So he got some that belonged to God, stuffed it down, ran back to his tent, dug up under his tent and hid it under there. Well, they took the city of Jericho easily, piece of pie. Well, their next city that they're going to battle is a tiny little city, doesn't have any walls like Jericho or anything, Matter of fact, the city is so tiny, it had a tiny little name, and you know how to spell it because the way you pronounce it is how you spell it. The name of the city was Ai. And here's how you spell it, Ai. <laughs> and so Joshua was sitting back, and all his, all his mighty men, his army, and all his great warriors, they're sitting back, man, and smoking cigars, you know. And Yeah, we were awesome, buddy. We went there and took them out. He said, Hey, we got that next city we got to take. He said, I'll tell you what, just take about 30,000, 40,000 guys, just go in there and take that city. Y'all come back and tell us how awesome it was. So when they went to fight that battle in that next city, little AI went brave braveheart on them. And those guys from Israel that had been so mighty in the Jericho army and overcome Jericho ran back like women, to the, to the nation of Israel. And Joshua was like, what? And said, man, we lost a bunch of men and they whipped us. They whipped us bad. And so Joshua does what so many of us do when we think we're so spiritual. He got down on his knees. He put his face to the ground. And he said, God, what is up? God, you, you... You, you let us down we did everything you said and he's crying and he's saying well, this isn't fair and God why and here's what, here's what God says to him he lets him whine and cry a little bit and then he goes get up get up and Joshua's like well, but you told us and then we get, stop you're blubbering and get up and Joshua gets up and God looks at him and goes dude It is not my problem. It is your problem, sir. You got sin in the camp. You got sin in the camp. So they discovered who it was and who had sinned and the price was paid and the repentance was done. But here's the whole deal. When when you put God first, you are blessed. When you put God anywhere other than first, you're going to experience lack and loss. You say, well, you just make that up. No, I'm just telling you, it's in the scripture. Let's go to another place in the Bible and talk about it. How many of y'all know the first two brothers in the Bible? Who were they? Cain. Cain and Abel. As a matter of fact, if anybody ever asks you, what did Adam and Eve do in the Garden of Eden? You just look at them and say, they raised Cain. Okay, so... Hey, it don't get any better than that. If you don't laugh at that, you probably aren't going to laugh anymore today. That's as good as I got. So so let's look at Cain and Abel. Um, Let's go to Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5. Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5, New King James. Uh, It says, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering. Everybody say those four words with me. Cain brought an offering. Of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Sounds okay, doesn't it? One word missing. First. He just brought him an offering. He just decided and brought it. Look at the next verses. Abel also brought of the... See, Cain was a, a farmer. He was planted the seed and all of that. Abel was a rancher. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he, God, did not respect Cain and his offering. And here's why. Now, I'm I'm gonna be really blunt right here. I'm gonna be really plain. And the reason I am is because I've done it myself, okay? The reason Cain didn't get blessed, the reason his offering didn't get blessed is because he did like most, Christians do today when it comes to giving. He gave what he wanted to, when he wanted to. He gave the amount he wanted to give, and he gave it when it was convenient for him. I've done the same thing. But if you want God's blessing on what you're going to give, you're going to give God the best and you're going to give God the first. And people say, I can't give him the first. Man, i got to see if I can pay my bills. And then if I pay my bills, I'll take what's left over. And I can. You know what that is? That's giving God leftovers. Listen, listen, guys. I know how hard this is. But if you will buy it, if I will buy it, if we will own this, if we will make God first, he don't lie. He will bless the rest. Amen. That is why so many of us give, but then we're like, where, where is that blessing? And 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 this is another level of commitment. Here, here's where that blessing is. That blessing is that you waited till it was convenient. You waited till you knew you were okay. You waited till it. it didn't matter if you gave it. You knew you had backup on the way and you didn't give it first. You gave it at a convenient time. You gave a convenient amount and a, at a convenient time. And God says, if you want me to bless you, you have to give the way I want you to. Now, God did not accept Cain's gift. He didn't accept it. Because there's, there's some things God can't do. You say, well, I've never heard a preacher say that. Well, I'm going to give you three things right now God can't do. Number one, God can't change. God can't change. You say, well, why can't God change? because he's perfect. So if God were to change, that would mean he could be better, and God can't be better when he's the best. You can't improve on the best. So God can't change. Number two, and I'm so happy about this one, he can't think like we think. Why do we think? We think to figure stuff out, we're figuring stuff out. That's why we're thinking all the time. You're driving down the road, you know, and somebody's trying to wave at you or blow on you. Just focus because you try, you're trying to figure something out. Can I tell you something God never said? First of all, just God nothing ever occurred to God. God never went. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Y'all probably done that four or five times while I've been preaching today. <laughs> Nothing ever occurred to God. Why? Because God knows all things. He said, in his, he said in his word, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. He didn't think like we do. Hallelujah. And then the third thing God can't do, God cannot bless an offering that is on your terms instead of his. Because for God to grant you his best, you have to honor him with your best. And God is first. He's preeminent. He's first in all things. That's why God couldn't take Cain's offering because Cain gave an amount he chose, at a time he chose, and in a priority he chose. Now, there's a difference in tithes and offerings. An offering is above your tithe, and you can give that when you want to to whoever you want to and really that's not true you can give it when you god tells you and you can give to who god tells you and you can give when god tells you so so Offerings are above and beyond our tithe. But the tithe is the first because there's this principle of priority throughout scripture. There's something about tithing that most Christians don't understand. The word tithe means tenth. So it means you're, percent, you're giving on a percentage and that way we see the fairness of God in that because if you don't make but a little bit, you pay a little bit. If you make more, then you pay more. So God is fair. I had somebody come up to me Thursday night at the Goldsboro campus and it was a mom and she said, my daughter was here tonight. She doesn't have a job. Her husband doesn't have a job. And she asked me, what is she supposed to give? If you don't have any income, I said, you don't give anything. The Bible says you give on your increase. And if they don't have an increase in their life right now, I said, the church needs to be blessing them. We need to be taking care of them and blessing them. I said, now, if God were to come to them and ask them to give out of their poverty, which God will do from time to time, just like the widow's mite in the Bible, she came down and gave the widow's mite. I think that woman gave out of her poverty. That's probably probably all she had. That wasn't a tenth of what she had. It was probably 100% of what she had. And that's why when Jesus said, who gave the most, the disciples said, well, it sure wasn't her. He said, absolutely, it was her because she gave everything she had today. See, it's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. God's not asking for equal giving. I can't give as much as some of you. Some of you can't give as much as me. God don't ask for equal giving because we're all at different levels. He wants us to have equal sacrifice, and if we will, he says, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna bless the church. I'm gonna bless the ministry. Now, here's the deal about God, and this is big, and I'm done. God is gonna be first, whether you make him first in your life or not. God's preeminent. God's number one. Now, you can put him somewhere else in your life, but it doesn't move his position. God is number one. God is above all. He is preeminent. He is omnipresent. That is, he's everywhere all the time. He's omniscient. He knows all things. There's nothing God don't know, and he is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. There is no power above his power. So whether you make God number one in your life or not, doesn't really matter. God's number one. But if you want to get blessed... You make him number one in your life. October October 5th, we are challenging you to make God number one. You may have never tithed in your life. You may have never made God number one when it comes to your money and your possessions and your stuff in your life. We're asking you to do it on October 5th and see what God does. In Malachi chapter 3, he said, test me. Test me. Now, look, if you go to another church, I'm not talking to you right here. If you're visiting, if you're a guest today, and you haven't even decided if the bridge is going to be your church, I'm not talking to you either. You get get your guidance and your instruction from the Lord. But if you've named the bridge and said, the bridge is my church, and some people think they found a little loophole, you know, because they hadn't stood up here on the stage yet and said, I'm an owner I'm a member, so they think they've got a little loophole there. No, you don't. If you call this your church, if you say this is my church, this is where I go to church, then that's, this is the storehouse you bring it to. So we have a table up here, probably several tables all over the worship center, so it'll be easy. And we want you on October 5th to bring your offering. Now, when you do that, we're probably, because of your obedience, and I know you people, you're just awesome, generous we're gonna get some money in here, and we're gonna be able to pay some stuff off. How many of you know we got debt because of this building? Sure, we do. We're we'll gonna pay some pay some stuff down. We're gonna we're gonna uh, help some missionaries. We're gonna help some homeless people. We're gonna help some. Uh, Uh, people at the crisis center and the Fordham house. And we're going to be able to do a lot of things because of your generosity to bless a lot of people outside this church. And it's going to bless stuff inside our church because we're going to be able to make improvements and repairs and upgrades and all of that kind of stuff because of your obedience. But here's the deal. When you do that, God is going to see it and God don't lie. And God's going to go, they gave me their first. God may say for the first time, they gave me their first and their best. And there are going to be stories coming in after October 5th of people saying, because I've already done, we've already done this several years. People saying, I never dreamed God would do that. We've had a breakthrough in our family. We've had a, we've had a, a healing in our family. We've had a, a financial blessing. I got a raise. I got a... a promotion, I've been looking for a job, and my wife and I didn't have much money at all, but we gave our best in that, and now that job, I've got got story after story after story, and not all of them are money. Some of them are are relationships being healed and miracles of other kinds. But God doesn't lie. So October 5th, and I wanna challenge the men. You are the spiritual leader in your house. Gather your family around. Explain what Pastor Farrell has said. Explain this challenge that God's put on Pastor Farrell's heart. And tell your, tell your kids and tell your family, we're going to walk up together that day as a family. And we're going to bring our sacrifice to the Lord. And then we're going to see what God does. Amen? Now Listen. I want to do one more thing, then I'm going to dismiss you. I want you to just bow your head right there, and I want to ask you a question. Everybody, just bow your head. Let me just tell you that before God wants any money from you, before God requires that you give him any material thing, he wants you. He wants you. There's some people sitting here right now, and you've never asked Jesus to come in your life. You've never admitted, I'm lost. I'm a lost sinner and I need a Savior. And that Savior's name is Jesus. Jesus, I give you my life today. Just say that to him. Lord, I want you to take my life. I want to give you my talents. I want to give you my time. I want to give you my treasure. I want you God to take my life you died on the cross in my place you rose from the dead to give me life and I gotta admit I've been running from you Lord and I've been offering up all kinds of different excuses about why I'm not a Christian but I know I need you today so Lord Jesus come in my heart forgive me of my sins wash me with your precious blood and cleanse me. And Lord Jesus, I give you my life today. I give you my life. If you'll help me, if a church will help me, and don't know if you'll end up at this church or not, but there are churches that'll help you. God, I'm going to live the rest of my life for you. And I know I'm going to mess up and I'm going to fail and I'm going to drop the ball. I I know I'm going to do all that, but, but Lord, I want to start out today serving you and When I fall and stumble, people will help me. So, Lord, save my soul today. I want to be born again, as Jesus said in John 3. I want that in my life. Come in my heart, Jesus. Live inside me.